Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. I said, how you doing? <laughs> you know, regardless of how it looks out here, we doing good. Amen. Glory to God. We just said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So it doesn't matter how we feel or how it looks, we know things are good. So how are you doing out there in Streamland? We're glad that you're here tonight at BFC. Hi, I'm Pastor Bruce. Uh, we're glad that you're watching. That means that you're hungry. And because you're hungry, you're going to find God. Because he says, if you'll seek me, you're going to find me. Amen. Glory to God. So get your Bibles open out there. Join us tonight as we grow in the things of God through the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this encounter with you. We believe with our heart that you are the author of the Word of God. Therefore, as we read the Word tonight, as we hear it with our ears, it's your voice. And with your voice, there is an enablement, there is a power, there is a life that comes inside of us when we believe. So we're excited for that which you will impart to us tonight, that strength, that encouragement, but also that light that will help us as we step out that which you reveal to us for the steps of a righteous man or order of the Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we've been talking about the Ephesians prayer in terms of this Ephesians prayer. It's found in the first chapter, obviously, of the book of Ephesians, that book that was written to the church at Ephesus. God used uh, Paul to pen this as the Holy Spirit imparted it to him and beginning in verse 17 all the way through the end of the chapter there's this prayer that paul prayed for believers and you and i can pray this prayer it's a spirit anointed prayer and it is touching three areas of our life we're actually asking for three areas where god would impart supernatural revelation or understanding to us concerning his calling, concerning his inheritance, and concerning his power and his authority. You see, God showed the Apostle Paul that these were essential areas that we needed to have the revelation of, to run our race and to finish our course and to be successful and overcomers on the earth. And so these three areas of what has been bestowed upon us through Jesus Christ, he's praying for the believers, and as we pray it for ourselves, we'll begin to get the revelation of his calling that he's given to us, his inheritance that he's given to us, and his power slash authority that he's given us. 
So I encourage you to pray this prayer for yourself. Just insert your name in there by saying me or, or I. You can also pray this prayer for other believers. I even use this prayer to pray for unbelievers. Right? I pray for their spirits. Amen. That light would come to them. Probably uh, we, we all have close relatives, whether they be children or grandchildren or siblings or, or parents or grandparents or just family members that we call cousins and they're really not, but they're just such good friends that we see them as a relative. You can pray this prayer for them. Because you see, when we begin to see life from our spirit instead of our mind, everything changes. So pray, pray this prayer for yourself and uh, pray it for others. And, and do it consistently, and it'll take probably three months before you begin seeing some, some progress in this area, but it will come. Amen? Amen? Now, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at his calling. And was it last week we talked about steps that we could take to cause our place to not only be known to us or but it will also get us in a position to start walking out the place that he's given to us and so we're, we I, I got a release from that we didn't finish my notes but i got a release from that those those three steps that we considered taking number one is that you got a des desire to serve the lord is life if life is all about you then that's going to take a change of heart to have that desire to serve him number two and we didn't get to this we've got to make the decision to grow spiritually not grow mentally not grow physically but to grow spiritually Amen. you see even though the lord calls us we have to qualify ourselves by growing up putting some things down and picking some things up. And number three, we've got to choose to be submissive to the authority God set in the body. You see, you can't have unity, you can't have singleness of purpose unless we're all following the leader. I think that deserves another round. See, it's so important for us to have unity. We see the most dramatic and important and powerful things happened in the early church when it references when they were in one accord. Come on, come on. Well, you can't have one accord unless we're following the leader. That's right. My mom used to say there's just too many Indians and or there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Uh, I don't know if we're really allowed to say that today, but that's what she said 50 years ago. Amen. Amen. We got to follow the leader. And sometimes that's hard on somebody because that person knows better than the one who's leading. But you know, you just have to submit. And I didn't get to this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because I love you. Being submitted to leadership is not being in agreement with leadership. Come on. Come on. What's the difference? Well, agreement is when you start following what the leader says because you agree with what they're saying. That's not submission. Submission comes when they give you instruction that you don't want to follow. Come on. Then you submit to it. That's submission. Too many, think, too many believers think, well, I'm in submission. Well, you're just doing what you agree with. 
But then once you get in a place of disagreement, that's when you have to apply submission. Amen. Amen. And understand that the power that Jesus walked in was not because he was the Son of God. It was because he was submitted to God the Father. And there, therefore, God was able to highly exalt him and give him great power on the earth. Remember, he said, I always do what the Father told me to do. How many of you know that he wasn't in agreement to go to the cross? Amen. Come on. Come on. That's good. Or he wouldn't have been sweating blood. Come on. But he submitted to it. Yeah. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. And so there will be times where submission is going to be, have to be employed by us to keep unity in the body and for God to, to begin to entrust us with certain responsibilities and then empower us. Submission always comes before authority. Amen. Well, that's enough for that. Here I thought I was done, but there you go. <laughs> Tonight, we're going to get into his inheritance mm -hmm. I got one person excited so far I want to stir the rest of us up glory to God we're gonna talk about his inheritance that he has given us let's go on over to Colossians chapter 1 here's where we'll begin and and begin considering the inheritance that he's given us how many like that idea of getting and receiving an inheritance Huh? In Colossians 1.12, this is from the King James, so Sharon's going to agree with us tonight with this translation. Giving thanks to who? The Father. That's God the Father. Which has made us meet. M-E-E-T. That English word meet is better translated as qualified. So he says that he has qualified us. Hallelujah. Amen. He's qualified us to have what? To be a partaker of what? Of the inheritance. This is the his inheritance that we are asking for the revelation of in the Ephesians prayer. So you and I have been qualified to be a participant of the inheritance. So the believer, those who are in Christ, is already, past tense, a bar partaker or qualified to receive God's inheritance. Now, this is a statement of truth. This isn't something that you and I will partake in when we finally get up into heaven and in the sweet by and by. This is talking about his inheritance that you've been given in the sweet right now. As far as God is concerned, this is a spiritual reality that is now yours because you're in Christ. Now, you're just going to have to stir yourself up a little bit better than that. Come on now. Got to have some expectations tonight. Now, let's get into this inheritance. I'm going to read this from the NIV because it, 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 it says it a little bit.
plainer in, in a current, you know, current English, the same English we speak today and not what they spoke 500 years ago in England through King James. It says in verse 12 from the New International, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. Now, let me give you the definition of an inheritance. So, you may or may not relate to this. This is my translation of an inheritance. To me, I always view an inheritance as someone just died and left me something. There you go. I, my definition of an inheritance is someone died and they left me something. Amen? That's how I view the inheritance that we've received from the Father. Now, we're going to break this inheritance that we've received through someone's death in two categories. All right? We're breaking his inheritance down, the inheritance that we already have, into two categories. Let's go to the next verse, and this will give us the first category of the inheritance we currently have through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.13. The first thing that we have received in our inheritance is that he has... Did you see has there? Mm -hmm. That's past tense, right? Yep. doesn't say he's gonna. It says what? He has. Mm -hmm. Or King James would say hath. Yes. See, this is a past tense reality. I want us to embrace this. Too many believers are waiting for something to come to them. Amen. Not realizing that they already possess it. Amen. As far as God is concerned. Mm -hmm. Remember, God is always the giver, but it doesn't do anything for us unless we become the receiver of what he gives. Amen. Amen. So he hath delivered us from what? From the power of darkness. And has translated us or placed us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now understand that this verse 13 is revealing that this first category of his inheritance that he's given us is that he has delivered you and I or removed us from the spiritual kingdom of darkness and he has translated us or has caused us to be spiritually born into his or God's kingdom. Now see, on the earth today, there are two spiritual kingdoms in existence. The kingdom of the devil, that's the kingdom of darkness, and that kingdom was allowed to be established on the earth by our father Adam. When he sinned and transgressed against God through the devil or the serpent's 
uh, temptation in the garden, in essence, Adam was bowing his knee to the serpent or to the devil and therefore transferred his lease on the earth to the devil. So Adam gave him a right to bring his kingdom, his spiritual kingdom, into the earth. And that's why all of us are have become fallen spirit beings. Because Adam's sin became our sin. And we were separated from God. You see, a lot of answers to the, the reasons of why the earth is why it is can be having the understanding that there is a evil or a kingdom of darkness in the earth today that has access to the human race. Yeah, come on. Amen. I mean, if we just had a half a brain, we could figure that out. Too many things is attributed to God in terms of disasters and loss and, and you know, tragedies have been attributed to God. And so, through this inheritance that we have received, you and I have been delivered or removed from that evil kingdom. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that, excuse me, the... the it's the latter part of Ephesians. It tells us that we were actually a child of the devil. And that he was our father. I believe it's second uh, chapter of Ephesians, verse 3. And it says, by nature, we were the children of wrath or the children of darkness. You and I were separated from God, but by virtue of this inheritance that we've received through Jesus Christ, we have been removed or delivered from that kingdom, and we have been born into God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, this took place in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, in a nanosecond, through a spiritual rebirth. I want you to go over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. Now this is Jesus talking to Nick, Nicodemus. And he gets right down to the nitty-gritty, or down to the bottom line. And he answers Nicodemus because Nick, Nicodemus had asked a question that really wasn't relevant. And Jesus looked him in the eye and says, I say unto you, except a man be what? Born again. Now understand this is talking about a spiritual birth. Well, how do you know that? Well, it says that if you're not born again spiritually, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And we know that God's kingdom is spiritual because God is a spirit. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about what happened to us in Colossians 1.13. This is how we got translated out of that kingdom of darkness, that evil spirit, 
or that evil kingdom and born into a holy kingdom. It's through Jesus Christ, through the new birth. So being born again is to be born spiritually into God's kingdom. It's not a physical birth. It's not a mental birth. It's spiritual. Now understand that our spiritual birth is accomplished simply by receiving Jesus. It is not difficult to be born into God's kingdom. We receive Jesus while believing what he did for us, and we accept it and receive it by faith. It took me less than 10 seconds to pray a prayer, to be delivered from darkness, and to be born into God's kingdom through his inheritance. Hallelujah. Look what it says here in Romans 10.9. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, because if you confess with your mouth, and that's, you're confessing what you believe with your heart, that's why you're saying it with your mouth. You see, receiving Jesus as your Savior is something you do with your spirit, for with the heart man believes. But outwardly, you are hearing what you believe about Jesus. And so when you confess him as your Lord, watch this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now that word save is where we get the word salvation. And it encompasses exactly what Colossians 1.13, saying that we've been delivered. This word saved can be also to mean delivered. You've been delivered from darkness. Snatched out of an evil kingdom, and now through this spiritual birth, you're being born into God's kingdom. And you're now saved. Now let me make this statement. You and I can't receive his inheritance until we become a child of his family. Who who is a recipient of an inheritance? For the most part, family members. Well, his inheritance is given to, hello, his children, his family, those that have been born into his household, right? By virtue of a spiritual birth. Once we are born into his family, that is, we are saved or we have received salvation, we automatically, we automatically, did anyone get that? We automatically have access to his inheritance. And that's why Paul, through praying these prayers for believers, wanted us to have the revelation of the inheritance so that we could use our faith to receive yes. it. Yes. Hallelujah. That's why he wants us to pray this prayer for ourselves and our loved ones Amen. so we can see and take advantage of what we've already been given. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Now, go to Ephesians 2, 8. Ephesians 2, 8, familiar scripture, but let's extract some more revelation from this, which we've already heard before. Again, from the English standard, it says, for by grace, by what? Grace. We know that that's unearned, undeserved favor of God. Or could we say it's grace is being able to access God's blessings and receive it as a gift. So your salvation is a gift that you simply received and accepted by faith. And it's not by doing or... Uh, and it's not your own doing, but it is a gift of God. Now, look how similar this is to a natural inheritance. In a natural inheritance, remember, someone died and left me something? In a natural inheritance, we would receive that inheritance from a family member. Years ago, I received an inheritance when my grandmother went home to be with the Lord. And she laid out a will, and each of us three grandsons received an inheritance from her. She died, and she left us something. Now that, which we received, was made available to us through her will. And that's what the word testament means. New Testament. This is the new will of God. And so, in the same way that a lawyer had to disclose to the us three grandsons what she left us, we had to go and hear her will. If you and I are going to figure out what Jesus left us through his death, we're going to have to find out from his written will, which is the New Testament. Amen. That's why we're a Bible church. So we can have a knowledge of what Jesus left us. Hallelujah. Now get this. An inheritance is like grace. It's freely bestowed upon us. Our inheritance that we receive from the Lord, his inheritance, is based on what he did and gave us Amen. and not what we did to deserve it. Amen. Glory. Can I say that again? Yes, please. You see, my grandmother didn't leave me something because I deserved it. She des desired to give it to me out of the goodness of her heart, and I didn't deserve it, and I certainly didn't earn it. Come on. Amen. I wasn't such a great grandson. <laughs> well, guess what? I wasn't a very good human being either. Yet God freely gave me his inheritance based on what he did for me through Jesus Christ. So our inheritance is free. It's a gift. And it's given to us by an act of God's grace. Now, I feel like I need to say this, and I know all you all know this. 
But, you know, we're not the only ones listening tonight. Uh, for example, last Sunday night, we had someone from India that was watching the broadcast in Nagpur, India. And so we don't know who's listening tonight. But guess what? We got hundreds on the inside and we got thousands on the outside. So I felt like when I was putting this together, there was those out there that might want to hear this. Now, I want to ask a question. What is salvation? What is salvation? Now, I was taught that salvation was the forgiveness of sins. Am I the only one that heard that? Alita heard that. You heard that before, Darlene? That salvation was simply receiving God's forgiveness. Well, that's part of what salvation is, but that's not what salvation let me say it this way. Forgiveness through salvation is the fruit of salvation. It's not what salvation is. Now, look over here in the 14th verse of Colossians chapter 1. This is that third verse that we're going to extract the other category of what our inheritance is. But just use it right here. And this is why a lot of people think that forgiveness is salvation. Colossians 1.14 In whom, and in whom is in or through Jesus, we have redemption. Through him purchasing that redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Now people read this and they go, well that's what salvation is. Salvation is the forgiveness of sins. But that's not what this verse is saying. It says that Christ redeemed us through the payment of his blood, which includes forgiveness. Amen. Come on. Now, please open your heart and, and listen to this. <laughs> Salvation salvation is for those who are lost and without God. Forgiveness is for the believer. Come on. Amen. When you were without Christ and you called out to God, you did not need forgiveness. You needed the resurrection of your spirit. And when you're a believer, you don't need resurrection. You need forgiveness for the things that you do wrong. So as a definition, what is salvation? Salvation is the resurrection of our fallen, dead spirit and made alive by the life of Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in John 10.10? He says, I've come to the earth that you might have forgiveness. Is that what he said? No, he didn't say that. He says, I've come that you might have what? Life. And that more abundantly. 
What did Jesus say in John 3, 16? He that believeth in me shall have what? Everlasting life. It doesn't say he's going to have forgiveness. So the everlasting life, when you cry out to Jesus, is when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and resurrects your dead spirit and extracts or delivers you out of a fallen spiritual kingdom and you're now born again into God's spiritual kingdom. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Jesus was the first born to be resurrected from the dead. Jesus was the first one to be resurrected. He was the first born from the dead. Jesus was the first fallen, dead spirit to be born again. You see, too many of us identify with the death of Christ on the cross that he died physically. And yes, he did. And as all the public saw in that day. That's why they were so distraught. Because they thought his dead body meant the end of Jesus. But when Jesus died on the cross, primarily he died spiritually. He was separated from God. He became captive of the kingdom of darkness in hell. Colossians 1.18 says this, that Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church, who is the beginning. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Well, if there's a firstborn, there's got to be a secondborn. Or why would you mention he's the first? I don't know what number I am, but I'm somewhere. Come on. Come on, amen. 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 Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? He was the first fallen spirit. The same condition you and I were in before Christ. Amen. He was the first fallen spirit to be yes. born again. Yeah. How? Through the resurrection of his yes. spirit. Yes. Yes. Amen? God, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he was raised by the glory of God. Another instance, it says that he was raised by the Spirit of God. He had a, the Holy Spirit come in him and resurrected his spirit. He had happened to him what he told Nicodemus to do. He was born again. Now listen to this. When Jesus took our place in hell, he was in the same condition we were in before we got saved. Amen. See, the Bible says that he tasted death for every man. Spiritual death. And he began to pay his penalty while in hell in that place of torment and being lorded over by the kingdom of darkness. That exactly describes you and I before salvation. Amen, yes. Amen. So he took our place. He was in the same condition we were in hell. He was living in 
the devil's kingdom, and he was spiritually dead and separated from God and his life. Jesus, through being resurrected spiritually or being born again, was delivered from the spiritual kingdom of darkness and then translated or born into God's kingdom. Therefore, he was able to give you and I his inheritance. Because he did that in our place to represent us, now he who died and was raised from the dead can now give us his inheritance. What is his inheritance? Is delivering you and I from the kingdom of darkness. And translating us and causing us to be spiritually born again into God's kingdom. You see, an inheritance is bestowing on another that which you have. And Jesus didn't have that to give until he died and was held bondage and captive by the devil and his kingdom and then resurrected out of that state and being born into God's kingdom. Now he had that which he could bestow upon us in a way of an inheritance. Isn't that awesome? Now before we go, we, we got to go one more place. Go on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and let me again explain what I said several minutes ago. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. I said this earlier. It's the world, it's the sinner who needs resurrection. They don't need forgiveness. Remember Israel? Every year, they had to sacrifice animals to just cover their sin. But it never removed sin. Yeah, come on. Amen. And so if, if salvation was just forgiveness, you're still not saved. You still have a dead spirit. So it's the world, it was you and me before Christ who needed resurrection, not forgiveness. But it's the Christian who doesn't need resurrection. We've already been resurrected. We're already alive unto God. We're already in his kingdom. We're already a part of him. We already have eternal life. But when we make mistakes, guess what we need? We need forgiveness. Amen. So look here, it says... Therefore, if any man be in Christ. So this is, this is describing the sinner man, who we were before Christ, receiving Christ in that instant, in that moment when we invited Christ into our heart, the Holy Spirit came in us, and we were gloriously raised from the dead, spiritually, and put into God's kingdom. It says that he's become something. He's become a new creature. And all that you were 
and all that you did is what? Passed away. That's because who you were no longer exists. So if you're thinking about what you did before Christ and you're still being condemned by it, you're being condemned over a person who doesn't exist anymore. Come on. Woohoo! And you need to see yourself from the scripture. He says that who you were has passed away. Because you're resurrected. Woo-hoo! You're no longer that dead individual held captive in the kingdom of darkness. You're now in the kingdom of God. And everything that came and did and, and was said and done before Jesus is gone. Thank you, Lord. And now all things have become new. So this is what the world needs. Resurrection. But then if you'll go over to 1 John, I said I had one more scripture, I fibbed. Or I was reminded when I got in the middle of this, we had one more place to go. Go to the first letter, the first epistle of John, all the way in the back of the New Testament. Go to chapter 1. This is what the believer needs. Chapter 1, verse 9. Now notice that if you begin reading 1 John, it's written to those who have already been resurrected in their spirit. This verse isn't written, verse 9 isn't written to the world. This verse is written to you and I. When Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, he was speaking to the world. Now, through John, he's speaking to you and I, those who have been resurrected. And he says, if we confess our sins. So this is something we do as a believer. Make mistakes. It says that he will be faithful and just when you confess and tell him about your sin to what? Forgive you and to cleanse you. That's forgiveness. Amen? So the world, they need resurrection. They need his inheritance. And He has that inheritance to give because Jesus obtained it for us. Through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So the inheritance that you have received has delivered us from an evil, fallen kingdom. And we've been born into God's kingdom. And we are forever and ever and ever alive in him. For we are his children. Amen. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for your inheritance. I thank you that the most important part of the inheritance that you have freely given us is the resurrection of our spirit. Jesus, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for experiencing the cross and spiritual death, torment in the midst of an evil kingdom in hell so that you and I could taste life through your resurrection. Lord, we thank you for your inheritance. We are now new creatures in Christ through your inheritance. 
We've been born again, and our future and eternity is well set and established because we have life and that everlasting. We thank you for it, Father. Help it to be a greater reality and truth to us today and going forward. That we not see ourselves through the eyes of our past. That we not see ourselves through mistakes and abuses and suffering loss. But that we'd see that we are alive in you. That we're new creatures. And that you've made us clean and whole and we have eternal life. Help us to see that we're above and not beneath. And we're the head and not the tail. For we are your offspring. We are your children. We are your new creatures. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to get into the second category of his inheritance. And that's going to be what he's freely given us to enjoy while on the earth. Amen. Amen. We'll get into that next time. Thanks for for being just great listeners tonight. I sure appreciate you, and I believe you got something from the Lord. Amen. We'll see you next time. Woohoo! It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real. Takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. It flies in the face of all your pride.